Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Everything is so dumb, 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 Why, hello. Welcome back to the worst year ever. My name's Katie Stoll. That's wild. My name isn't. I've got a different one, and it is Cody Johnston. Uh, today, we are recording without Robert because he needed the week off, like I needed it off last week, and that's just how we roll sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Sophie's here, though. That's cool. I never leave. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. Yeah. Um, today, we have something special for you guys, and that is an interview with David Kim, who is running for California's 34th district. Uh, he is wonderful. We just had a very interesting conversation with him about UBI, about human-centered economy, um, and just uh, challenging the establishment. And I I found it inspiring. Um, I think I won't speak for you guys. Hey, I don't disagree. He doesn't disagree. That's different than our catchphrase on uh, even more news, which is I, I don't agree disagree with you, with you completely. <laughs> completely. Uh, yeah, okay. it was a great. It was a great conversation. Um, and you're gonna listen to it. You're gonna listen to it right no. now. So today we are very excited to be joined by David Kim, who is running for California's 34th congressional district. Hi, David. <laughs> Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. How are you doing? We'll start off with an easy one. Maybe that's yeah. not an easy question, that's actually. Question, that's Katie. hard to diagram and dissect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm very grateful. Um, definitely very one of the few fortunate ones that, that get to work mm-hmm. uh, from home and then also campaign as well. So, yeah, I'm very fortunate. And I think right now the focus is just to how do we help each other? How do we do this 
in the short term immediately right now, but then how do we do this long term where we're not outdoing our government and helping each other? Yeah. Um, I want to I wanna hear a little bit about your background and, you know, how you decided to run for office. I'm also curious to know what campaigning is like right now. You know, you, we don't have the same traditional methods of going out necessarily, I think, and if, if you guys are going door to door or anything like that. Right. But yeah, right. that was a lot of questions wrapped into one question. <laughs> Background. How did you decide to run? What does campaign look like? Also, um, just like, what's up? How's it going? Yeah. Yuck. What's up? How's it going? So, yeah. So my name is David. I am currently an immigration attorney. I live here in CD 34. I moved to Los Angeles in 2010. I've lived here for the past 10 years. Uh, when I graduated from law school, I started working at the DA's office at LA County. Uh, and then the county went on a firing, uh, hiring freeze. And so okay. I started working in labor and employment litigation on the plaintiff side. So I would sue employers for uh, unpaid wages, sexual harassment, those types of cases. And shortly thereafter, I then moved into the entertainment industry because I felt that there was a need, um, as a lot of my friends at the times uh, who were, and even now, um, I mean, there's a lot less now, but back then there were a lot of writer friends, director friends, acting friends, just being charged so much with excessive high attorney fees. Yeah. And so they would be paying several thousand dollars in retainers, then get charged a percentage and then be afraid to talk to them on the phone. Mm -hmm. So they would ask me for help. And I'm, a, and I'm a labor and employment. I mean, although there are overlapping areas, I found myself doing a lot of their legal counsel work for free, which, yeah. which is fine for me in helping them. But it's like, why are you afraid to talk to your $1,000 an hour attorneys? Like you should be demanding them to do stuff for you. But obviously they can't because of the money and everything involved with that. So I felt that there was a need there. So. I created the hollywoodlawyer.com uh, in 2014, October, just to fill in the need for, hey, we can't be taking money and taking advantage of our creatives because they gave up everything to, to do creative stuff for us, to be the thought, thought provokers, to be the thought creators. And we can't be taking advantage of that. And so I saw a need for creating affordable legal services for a creative niche um, services. And at the time, you really couldn't get an attorney just to look over a contract before yeah. you had to sign it three days later or the next day. You had to have paid a $2,000 retainer first and then book them on appointment. And so it was very inaccessible for a lot of creatives. And so we filled that void of creating flat fee services, of providing very affordable uh, flat fee rates, contingency rates, uh, and just kind of on the go things that you can just really need, whether it be hey, I need a red line written review of all the things that need to be changed in my contract. Can you give me that in the next 48 hours? Yes, we can. We'll help you. Do you want an oral consultation on top of that? Okay, let's do it. So it's it was making these services more affordable and more accessible because a lot of our creatives are being taken advantage of, signing away their rights, um, signing away their options without getting any value for that. And so we did that, or I did that for about four or five years. Um, I sold The Hollywood Lawyer at the time there wasn't any type of legal practice that, that was like ours. And so now you have counsel for creators and all of these other smaller legal practices yeah. that are that are providing those services. And so I, I felt, okay, I, I think I've reached my time here in the industry. Mm -hmm. So um, to be honest, I, I kind of wanted to see what it was like to be on the other side 
So I applied to Sony Pictures to be one of its legal counsels. I ended up, after so many interviews, I ended up getting a job there, director of music acquisitions for legal. Um, I spent my nine months there. If I had stayed, what, uh, several more years, I could probably now start to pay off my 200000 in law school loans that I haven't <laughs> been able to pay off for all these years because I've, I've, like most of my, I've, I've, I've worked that daily grind and hustle life of working two to three jobs. I remember there were so many days where I'd work free as an attorney and then drive for Lyft and Uber from 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. every wow. day. And so, so now it was like, yes, David, like a sane mind would tell you to just stay at Sony, don't quit your job and just pay off your law school loans and do it. But in the reality of my neighborhood and where I live, the average rent here for a one bedroom apartment is 2000 a month, but mm -hmm. the per capita income is 15000 yep. And so when you have families living two to a bedroom apartment, it's like, okay, I've, I've, I felt like I was living in two completely different worlds, um, kind of. And it was just this, this overall realization. And this had started building up ever since I had helped out on Kenneth Mejia's campaign in 2018. Mm -hmm. So that's where I was really activized politically. Um, because I had missed the 2016 Bernie Our Revolution moment. And so during all of this time and these deeper realizations, I thought, holy shit, like life isn't supposed to be this hard or tough for yeah. anybody. Yeah. Like the struggle shouldn't be this real. Like what's going on? Like we shouldn't be working for the all of our lives until the last day that we breathe. Like that's not what life is supposed to be like. And so it hit me on a deeper level. Um, and during all of this time while doing The Hollywood Lawyer, while working at Sony, I was also a local neighborhood council uh, board member of MacArthur Park Neighborhood Council. Although um, it could have a lot more power, it's at least something that we as a community members, as residents can hold on to. Yeah, I wish the neighborhood council system could do a lot more. And so for those who are listening, Los Angeles has 99 neighborhood councils and each neighborhood council serves 40,000 residents. And wow. so what we have the power to do is to give our opinion on any uh, zoning projects that come in any um, and so in a way we're able to stop gentrification as much as possible so that our community members aren't displaced and so um, and so the neighborhood council system allows us to actually have a say to cling on to whatever status quo is although we're not fond of status quo at least this is what we know mm -hmm. because we don't know if something worse is going to come because we've seen our families and neighbors move an hour or two hours away leaving Los Angeles and that's not the city that we need to become because if we really prioritize the people and find solutions that actually work then we can all still be intact still keep our community safe um, but it's a matter of what are our communities needs and concerns and right now our communities are so financially distressed we have a 35 plus year income wage stagnation ever-increasing widening wealth gap we have people that pre-COVID-19 had two to three jobs to make ends meet, and mm -hmm. currently they have no jobs to make mm -hmm. ends meet, and they have no health insurance, and yet our elected officials continue to preach this message of, oh, universal health care, oh, now we're going to take it out, oh, yeah, our DNC platform just voted to not prioritize Medicare for all anymore because we're not in that moment anymore, when, when we're <laughs> all more ever mm. in that moment because nobody has health insurance. Yeah, totally. And so... So when you see like these elected officials just preaching, oh, we'll we'll give you Medicare for all or healthcare for all, but then they're taking money from pharmaceutical companies, healthcare companies. They're saying free education for all, but then they're taking money from student debt collectors. In a way, it's like, how crazy are we 
to continue re-electing the same officials right. two years after two years Absolutely. after two years. It's like, I think it's on us now to realize, and it's not in an accusatory or judgmental way, but it's more of a, hey, like, they actually work for us. And it's kind of really waking up and bringing out that true perspective yeah. of they actually work for us. Mm -hmm. And if their job is to represent the will of the people and they're not doing it, all right, let's vote for somebody else. And so which that's is, why I'm running. Yeah, yeah, which is actually very interesting in terms of the trajectory of your career that you've just laid out, because it's exactly what you were doing with Hollywood. I mean, these lawyers that you're talking about, that people were afraid to, you know, push for the, you know, push back on the money issues and all of that stuff. Well, they're supposed to work for people, but the system is broken. Mm -hmm. Or you may guess that's the system is how it's designed to work. But like you know, showing an alternative uh, path. And it, what you're, all, everything you're saying really resonates with me. I've been talking about this a lot with people in my conversations. You know, it's easy to say, to fall into this us versus them mentality, left versus right. And sure, I've got lots of complaints about the right. But also, we need to step up. We need to be accountable. We need to try harder and keep pushing for uh, officials that actually work for us, as you're saying, because just saying get the Democrat in isn't cutting it. The Democrats, so many Democrats, the system, the establishment um, is serving the same systems that aren't working, you know, and they're they're ingrained. So that's why I'm so, so thrilled to have candidates like you stepping up and and talking about some really dramatic, drastic things that need to happen to actually be serving the communities. Um, you're running on a very progressive platform, which is very exciting to us. Uh, you've been endorsed by Andrew Yang and Marianne Williamson. Am I right? Correct. Um, you're a supporter of UBI, Medicare for All, Green New Deal, a homes guarantee. Um, and, and I'd love to have you walk us through some of these issues and 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 talk about how you arrived on these positions yeah. and everything um i guess we could start with ubi it's it's not a new concept but it's it's relatively new to many americans i think you know andrew yang's campaign brought it to the forefront of our conversations this election cycle um and of course he exited the race before the pandemic hit uh but now i think we're having these conversations under a new lens um you know, many people have been pushing for UBI as something as a response to the pandemic. And and what we got was far short far of the UBI. Far um, short. You know, but now more than ever, something like this is imperative. And, and, when, and when Andrew brought that up during his campaign, people laughed at him. And now everybody's, yeah. and everybody's like, hmm, what about that? Yeah. <laughs> but could you... I mean, I think a lot of our listeners have a, a fairly good grasp on UBI, but I'd love to have you walk us through it. Um, I also am, I'm hoping that we all can have a takeaway of of easy ways that we can talk about it with our relatives and loved ones, you know, moving forward. Destigmatizing things in a way is totally. an important part of this conversation. But yeah, love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for asking that question, Katie. Uh, universal basic income is probably one of the most progressive things out there. Yeah. And so for people to suddenly now catch on, it's like, oh, 
and it, and and it's a it's a good thing because it's not like a oh why didn't you catch on sooner no I'm glad and happy that <laughs> right you, right that you caught on I liked UBI before it was cool kind of stuff yeah, like, yeah. That's like, like, no, like no exactly so it's like why do we have even have to go there like I'm glad that you know about it now mm-hmm. and and so let's talk about ways that we can implement it um, but pulling back just for a sec before I go back into there yes for for our platform. We're focused really on empowering the American people and our communities again, mm-hmm. because the focus has not been on our people the past 30, 40 years. And so for us, it's like, okay, so David, what does putting the focus on the people look like? And it's very basic elements of, do our people have access to good food? Can they eat good food? Like, yeah. can they have it? Like, is it hard to get <laughs> it? Like, can, do they have access to good healthcare and education? Do they have a room to sleep in with a roof over their head? Are they able to pay for basic expenses? And these are the very basic things. Mm-hmm. And in, in ensuring, because if a government is one that is of the people, for the people, and by the people, then it should be taking care of the people. It's not, <laughs> it's not some radical socialist or whatever crazy idea you want to put on it. It's a very basic, practical result of what a government, a representative government is supposed to be. And if we're paying our tax and money into the system and we're not seeing this, then we can demand for something else. And so now going back into the UBI part, so the UBI part takes care of the, the basic expenses. But I think beyond that, what it really represents is it, it, it starts addressing this 30, 40 plus year income wage stagnation that's been happening, mm-hmm. this widening wealth gap, even before going to automation, mm-hmm. which is pr- probably an equally important area and reason. But even before that, our people are financially distressed and depressed right now. And that affects them, not just in their finances, mentally, emotionally as well. And it contributes to more unrest, ease. And and I come from a child and I'm not going to say I come from from, as a child from domestic violence. And my parents fought mostly because of money Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that we're putting the strain onto our families and our communities and saying you deal with it without giving them bootstraps or boots even is yeah. is is the biggest evil that we could be doing um, is the biggest evil that they could be doing to us. And I think it's really our time to wake up and realize, holy shit, like, yeah, we're talking about it, but it just doesn't end here at talking where it goes a lot further. And so what a UBI would really do. I mean, for those who also aren't aware of UBI, another good reason is for automation because we see a lot of our jobs being automated, especially during now in COVID-19, because there are a lot of people who uh, are afraid to go ahead and risk their health and going out and working. A lot of restaurants, I, I, I forgot what restaurant, they were showing a video on CNN of how they have res- robot cooks now and, and, what? and, and what? they were cooking the food. And so... So it was, I and I'll send you that link when I see it, but it's just, it's in the sense of everything is being automated to the point of, like, if you go to the warehouses in Amazon, or if you go, um, like, you'll see automation in your face happening. And even for my legal industry, I know that the co-founders of LegalZoom, they've created something else that will now be displacing even more attorneys um, who, and I get that we have this this automatic bias against attorneys, but for those who graduate in recent years where the legal economy was shit, like they still have $200,000 in loans right. that, and they're unable to pay it. Um, so I think there's a different time and era for these occupations. And even with that, like with law schools pumping in students and pumping out. And 
there's so many areas that we can start tackling and addressing in terms of where, what are we doing and why are we not being efficient in all of these ways. So the idea of UBI is to help uh, kind of buffer the different changes that could happen when automation occurs. So that's the second reason. But on an overall scale, UBI, imagine practically what it would do to an area in our district where the per capita income is twelve to $15,000. Having a UBI of even $1,000 a month would double their income, yes, yes. would be able to increase their ability to not be strapped and chained to their minimum wage jobs that they hate or whatever other jobs with conditions that they, they don't prefer. And they would, it would allow them to have the flexibility and freedom and breathing room to actually breathe now and to consciously make choices because we're always making these choices in our reactive uh, mm -hmm. parasympathetic state being all in this fright, flight, or freeze mode because of the conditions that we've created our people to live in. And so if we were to able to give our people some breathing space where now they have the ability to go ahead and take a class, to go ahead and transition into a different career, or go ahead and be able to work for a job that's part-time and still have the finances to be able to still pay for their basic expenses. And there's the fungibility aspect, what you, Katie, referenced earlier, is one of the big keys not just in terms of stigma, but in terms of we as the people, we know best what we need our money for. And yes, I'm grateful our family lived on safety net programs, but like my my food assistance isn't going to help me with paying my rent. Right. There are times that the food assistance, like it'll be so handy and so helpful, but there are times where I could be using assistance elsewhere. And so why add all of the bureaucratic tape, the extra government in between, the, all the extra means testing and hurdles to prove that I don't have money to pay rent or put food on the table. Right. Why do we do that extra unnecessary pain and suffering to our people and then to ourselves on our bandwidth wise when we could actually putting our focus on other things in, in terms of creating an, um, an infrastructure for our people, making sure that every community is taken care of. Like this is where we could actually be spending more of yeah. our time in. And so for me, I think what got me to go into the entertainment industry and I saw that need and what got me to go here was there are so many things and areas that we could be cleaning up right now on just a practical level, even putting party politics aside, like it doesn't make sense that we continue in our imperialistic conquests around the world. Although some might not think, oh, David, was didn't imperialism end like a while ago? No, <laughs> we're, we're still living it out. And it's there's no yeah. need for us to be pouring money into this. And I, that even in and of itself isn't a party politics thing. Everyone's doing it, whether you're Republican or Democrat. And so it's it's rethinking what are we doing as a government and how are we holding our officials accountable? And so what I'm very grateful, despite what people may think of Bernie and, oh, he's traded or whatnot, I'm still super grateful that he let us out of our birdcage. I'm grateful that Andrew did too, Marianne, Tulsi, all of these yeah. people did. I'm grateful that AOC's in office, Ilhan Omar's in office, Rashida uh, is in office. Uh, um, sorry, sorry that I'm saying by their first name, they're just, no, um, yeah. Ayanna Presley's in office. But these people are what help us are 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 the people that empower us to become our own true and powerful selves and enable us to walk out more in our truth and freedom where now we have not just people and a year ago i never would have thought i'd be running for office right now but i am but it's 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 breaking that whole stereotype of oh there's a certain image that only runs for office but no a representative government right. looks like one that is made up of from people from all different kinds of backgrounds occupations mm -hmm. and facets of life 
And that's what we need to move towards. Yeah. And how do we get there? And so that's the thing that we need to be doing. I told my boyfriend, hey, babe, once we reach the six year mark, you're like, you're pulling me out and pull me, yank me out because I'm just in and out. Like, I really just want to see change and help spark that. So that's a really important point there. I mean, there's so much to unpack on what you just said, but touching on that first. Yeah, we need people that come in and serve their time and Mm -hmm. and, you know, bring ideas. And we also need people to not grow old in office and to get stuck in the same and get used to having power over people and uh, society. Um, it's like that, you know, uh, power, power corrupts, but not me, not, I like, right. it won't happen to me, right? <laughs> right. Welcome to the worst year ever, we'll get through together or not. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking, uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and, uh, get lucky. <gasps> No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I mean, yeah, like I said, so many things that you mentioned that really stand out to me. Uh, The first one being (laughs) what you suggested, like your background or people having different sorts of issues at home that on the surface seem unrelated to money, but it can all be traced back to money. And I think people are palpably feeling this right now as tensions are high and they're feeling their own mental health or stability, uh, emotional well-being being frayed as they're trying to figure out how to meet, make ends meet. Um, and the other thing about UBI, and look, I will admittedly say that even I've always, I've been interested in UBI for a long time. And when we started having these conversations, as exciting as it was, it felt daunting. It felt like a daunting task to tackle. 
at this point in time. But the, at the same time, you know, you look at Bernie Sanders, Medicare for all a while back wasn't something that people considered a possibility and now it is. You start talking about it, you start destigmatizing it, and you start planting the seeds that this is actually not only a possibility but a necessity um, and, and changing the general perception in this pandemic. <laughs> One thing has exposed all the cracks in this fan foundation. And the other thing that I, I thought of as you were talking is just the basic concept that our world is changing. Um, and with all this turmoil, you have a loss of freedom to think outside the box. You know, you're in this grind of trying to make ends meet. Well, then how are people going to come up with the next big idea? How do we uh, free ourselves to continue to expand and solve the problems that we're facing? Because we've got a lot of them. And, and UBI feels like a very good start for for laying that foundation and fixing our foundation, um, and it's possible. I, I I don't know how you go about <laughs> making it happen, but it is possible. We've been giving out all this money to the wrong people during this pandemic when they could have authorized something that is a monthly pay payment to people to make ends meet, to to say that you're supported, that you know we're protecting you during this time and not sending billions of dollars to, you know, huge corporations and, and, and lawmakers yeah. anyway. Or the Pentagon. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or the Pentagon. Yeah. They, they, um, they, they allocated more funding for fighter jets. Um, in the, oh my God. The post, in the wow. That's called relief. That's, that's COVID relief right there. More fighter yeah. jets mm -hmm. that uh, we don't need. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you make a very great point about that, Katie, during a time where people don't have money to buy food or pay rent, like you should give the people money, direct cash relief right now. Um, whether, and whether that looked like $2,000 a month during the pandemic and then after it a thousand a month, because everybody will still be recuperating. Um, and that's the way to get money into the hands of people the fastest, because once you do a whole means tested and and I go know. through all of these departments like people still haven't gotten their one-time stimulus yep. check from last yeah. time and it's it's this it's this lack of realization or deliberate ignorance and pushing away or or not i guess ignorance can't be deliberate it could be ignorance could be i deliberate. think it can but pushing away the, the <laughs> fact the the fact that our people are the economy. We are the economy. Yes. If we don't have money, there's no economy. Like yes. nothing yes. will be running. And so and so the government, they have their own separate economy, which is the war industry, military industrial complex economy that they're doing. But it's it's a matter of realizing like we the people do matter on a collectively on our own scale as well. But then on the government side, realizing, holy shit, like we need a conscious check here like and i hate to i hate to i'm not bringing any religion into it but there needs to be some sort of spiritual or emotional or or a revolution in in our conscious that needs to happen in dc right now and that's what marianne kept on driving on of we need to have a revival of of actually humanity and self and Human. that's where andrew yang brought his whole humanity first element and that's what a lot of these candidates had in mind was we need to remember the human race. Like, mm -hmm. we need to help each other right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting passionate, so I'm lifting my hand up. <laughs> He's but... gesticulating <laughs> He's in a doing, really yeah, doing the, the good way. <laughs> so, 
So, so in a way, like, and it's not, it's, and it seems crazy at first because when I remember when I heard UBI for the first time, I thought, what? Are you serious? Nah, come yeah. on. Like, I know, like, you're Asian and you're saying that you do the math and all of it, but <laughs> because I hadn't heard about UBI until first learning about Andrew,、uh, which was a while before the debates, a lot before that. And once I started going down the rabbit hill, Rabbit hole, I found, holy crap, Martin Luther King Jr. was preaching about this in his last book, speaking,、yeah. speaking tour. Where do we go from here around 1968, 1969 when he was assassinated? And that was one of the things he was proposing. He was saying, we do all of these great things to help the poor and to eradicate poverty. And we, we do all of these programs and implementations. But when it comes to implementation of it all, We solve everything else first, and then we come down last to poverty, and it's never solved and,、uh, and it's always unaddressed. And he says the only way we can do it with is a basic income. And so he had fought for that. It almost it passed in the House, didn't pass in the Senate, and that happened twice. I think it was 1971 and another year.、Wow. And so this has happened throughout history. Thomas Paine, one of our four founding fathers, supported it. He, didn't, he thought it was absurd that a human being could own land, let alone an American, because even before we came over,、uh, the, the first Americans came over from, from Great Britain and from other countries, the Native Americans were there. And they were, they were there too. But then before then, the land was already there. And so it was this idea of nobody can own land. And so he, create, he was proposing creating a land, land endowment tax fund. Into which those over a certain age would pay a land tax, and from their basic income would be distributed. Unfortunately, that, that didn't pass. But there's been movements along the way in history. And similarly, although it's not, it's, it's different types of rights. We have the civil rights movement, the women's movement,、uh, and, and different movements and, and suffrage movements along the way. But now is a time where we're in that process where it's another revolution, another change, another big series of change that's going. That's about to happen. And, and right now, we need to realize holy crap, like we're, we've come this far and we need to continue more because we do see it building before our eyes. You,、um, I, I don't know if you are aware, there's a party that just formed.、Um, it's called For a People's Party. And they're really trying to get on the ball and, and get rolling by 2022. And, and we have probably a record number of down ballot congressional candidates running across the nation for their primary races this election cycle. We have many more forming chapters and groups in the offspurs of the organizations that Bernie started with Our Revolution, that Andrew started with Humanity Forward, et cetera. And so we're now slowly building a movement that's, that can only grow bigger. So for us right now, it's an exciting time, but it's also a very serious time where we can't、mm -hmm. lose focus, where we can't compromise. Like we can't compromise by continuing to fund a $740 billion plus dollar. Pentagon military budget anymore. We can't compromise in these things, but it's a matter of then how do we go about doing it? Like, and this is where we need to come and have a deeper conversation with those in our communities and those in DC where we're actually talking with our communities first and saying, hey, what are your basic concerns and needs right now? Are, okay, how would you like the, that to be responded to? What would help you out the most right now? What would help you thrive? Taking that and then articulating that back into legislation in DC.、Absolutely. And that's the process that should be happening instead of their legislating amongst themselves, then coming back to our communities with the crumbs that they have and saying, hey, look what we got for you.、Um, mm -hmm. And so this whole mindset, just everything needs to change. But what's the answer, David? What should we do? And it's us realizing collectively like, that we have the power. We are the revolution, no matter 
how much of a cliche it might sound like we are the fucking revolution we are the economy we if, as long as we say that we matter and take action individually and collectively we could be so powerful so yes. powerful so yes. it's, it's that realization we, for, we forget us. that and they want us to forget that yeah yeah because they control us through poverty that's why they don't want to give us basic income that's why they don't want to give us another uh, they, that's why they want to means test that stimulus check even more. That's yeah, why they want to cut off the percentage of the expanded unemployment benefits. Just so on and so forth. They control us through poverty. Saying stuff like, you know, people aren't returning to work because they're getting so much more money on unemployment. Instead of acknowledging the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Also, excuse me, they're getting paid not that much money. on un <laughs> People aren't getting that much money on unemployment. Yeah. Let's just right, accept also, that. And why... It's a, the, the, so some people might be making more money on their unemployment than at their job. That's a problem. Why is that okay? Exactly. I, I mean, like, and and so using that as a as a way to stigmatize people who are receiving money from the government to you know cover costs of living is ghoulish to me. Um, you know, and, and like back to your point earlier about like, okay, so assistance to help with food—that's great. But like I need it for rent and why do I have to jump through all this red tape to justify how I need to spend money to, you know, to, to live anyway? Yeah. Gets me frustrated. Uh, sorry, Cody, you had something you wanted to say and I just kind of bold right Oh, through. no, that's fine. You're very, very passionate. Um, no, I, just, I, uh, I mean, there's just so much to talk about this and like what our America's very skewed uh, idea of what freedom is and like rugged individuality and the fact like ignoring the fact that we are really all in, in this together and we are uh, you you judge a society by how they treat their poor and like if you lift up everybody that's the poorest then everybody above them will be lifted up as well yeah um one 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 of my uh so one of my things about ubi actually is um this was more i think maybe more of a communication uh issue on yang's part at least um where uh if you're giving so, like, you're giving money, uh, like, let's say two grand a month to everybody. If we live in a society where if you add up, like, rent and food and uh, and heat and, like, all, all the, like, the basic needs, you know, we have a, a hierarchy of needs that we all kind of understand. Like, well, food and water, shelter, those kinds of things. But if you can't, aff if you can't pay for all of those things in a month with the $2,000, then the UBI seems more like, um, kind of like a Band-Aid. Like, okay, well, we'll give you some money. Um, and I guess I'm wondering if there's any sort of, uh, I guess you, to me, UBI requires looking at other aspects of society to bring those costs down too. So that if I were to mm -hmm, give mm -hmm. somebody $2,000 a month, they can pay their rent, they can buy food, they can do all the things that, uh, are required to survive as a human being with that two grand. Um, if that were to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, I'm just wondering if you have any, uh, thoughts about that. Yeah. No, those are very great points, and I am I am not a believer that one solution will solve everything, because while and that's why our platform is really addresses each of those needs. So for having a roof, room and a roof to sleep under, a homes guarantee, yeah, for paying your basic expenses, universal basic income, for healthcare, Medicare for all, for education, free education, and vocational schools, uh, and cancellation of student debt. So. For us, it's realizing a UBI is not going to immediately solve all of your financial needs for the month, but 
even right now or pre-COVID-19, we had 70% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck each month, most having most not having savings more than three to four hundred dollars. Um, and imagine what kind of relief that would do for our yeah. people on a emotional, on a mental level, <clears throat> first of all, on, on that level. And then it's also attacking all of those areas you mentioned. Why do we have astronomical pharmaceutical costs and healthcare costs? Like that's crazy. It's because we have executives making billions and trillions off of us. Um, that's why. That's where the money's going. Yeah. And who are they like, giving where, their money to? Like, right? where do you get the money? It's like, well, you take it from them. Like, like yeah. it's, plain, it's <laughs> right. plain and simple. Yeah. These corporate interests that have become the main constituents of our elected officials. And they're not. They're not. They're, they're, they're corporate entities. They're not human beings. But suddenly they've become constituents of our elected officials. So it's changing that. Um, changing how we go ahead and do... Um, everything else with with housing, for instance, we have over seventy billion dollars in federal public housing that needs improvements right now, and nothing's being done with that. We have pay-to-play schemes in so many cities across the nation, in in even our um, probably a lot of us, our own federal elected officials are engaging in those too. And so it's this turning a blind eye to corruption in your face is also a thing that drives all of our housing costs up, the gentrification of it all. And so it's realizing while we go ahead and supply all of these needs, we also need to have a responsibility and a justice element to it. And so that's where our campaign platform comes in. So instead of naming our committee paid for by David Kim for Congress, one of the things I've learned growing up is a name really gives you a lot of power and identity. Um, her, my mom and what my dad told me and so so our the name of our campaign committee it's pretty long it's paid for by david kim for congress financial freedom the financial freedom part get, empowering our people love what does love look like <laughs> from an elected official love looks like taking care of and caring for your people yes. spending less of your money creating these regime change endless wars abroad and taking that money and caring for your people um, and then justice for all. We need justice to ensure that everyone continues to be treated equally and fairly and have that access. So what does that look like? That means banning corporate money from elections. We we can't we need to wash out all corporate money from elections. It doesn't make sense that you get elected to office because you have the most corporate donors behind your campaign war chest and fund you to office. And even though you've knocked less doors than your challengers combined. Or, or individually, even though you've called and talked to less constituents than all any of your challengers. And so it's it's a matter of this morale revolution that needs to happen on the justice side, not just in the government, but now everything that we're also doing, because actions speak louder than words. Why are we militarizing our police? Why are we invading oh. the rights of our own people by allowing espionage rights against our own people through through? through the BS and excuse of, oh no, it's for foreign power and foreign national security. But then why are you doing that to your own people? Yeah. And why are we oppressing our communities? And so it's this accountability aspect of our platform, which is the justice aspect of, no, it doesn't make sense that more than two thirds of the people that are incarcerated are black and brown people. It doesn't make sense that more than two thirds of the people living in federal public housing currently and we're completely neglecting the $70 billion in improvements that need to be made. Two thirds of them are black and brown. Mm -hmm. So like we see institutionalized racism before our eyes, but we're not doing anything about it. We see this blatant war against poverty, but we're not doing about it. And so now it's time for us, for people to really stand up to identify it and just call it out. 
Um, but obviously, media won't shine a light on those people. And so um, I, I'm super thankful that Katie and and you all offered me this time to to be on your platform oh, because this is the one here. of the ways yeah. that we can share with other people and yeah. expanding that knowledge because the yeah. the main media won't do it. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. Everything. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. So dumb, 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 So all of this seems to go along with yet another part of your website that I was really compelled by, which is the, um, the human-centered economy. You know, this adjusting of, of how we think about the economy, and I, and I, I loved that. Um, are there more things you want to speak to that specific point? I mean, I, I do think that uh, <laughs> we've been talking about it this whole time. It's yeah. all hand-in-hand, hand, but yeah. uh, I, love, I love that phrasing, too. I mean, yeah. these bullet points, human beings are more significant than money. In a, in a past a life, mm-hmm. I worked. I, I I was working in human resources. When I would interview for jobs right out of college, I'd be like, "I want to put the human back in human resources." Mm-hmm. For you, I mm-hmm. did think that you meant a past life, past life at first, um, and I was no. like, "This will be interesting." Was <laughs> going there? I was like, "Were you a human being?" Or right. I was like, "Okay, I'll go for this ride." <laughs> I had a, a a psychic once told me that I I was a dolphin in a past life. Yes, and I you died were. And, I died in the ocean. And that's why I don't like that's the ocean that do. much. Yeah. I do think you were a dolphin in a past life. I'm, I'm just going to put that possible. out there. It does, it does fit. Um, David, you Dol- also... Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say um, dolphins are so cute. I, I wish I can... Anyhow, I want to go see a dolphin soon. But... Well, here I am. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you yes. touched on uh, the homes guarantee, which is another thing I wanted to, to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I- 
on your which, website, you you started this section by saying we need to pass HR four three five one and S nineteen nineteen, which is the YIMBY Act. Um, I want to hear about the homes guarantee, but I also would love it if you could explain that a little bit to us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, before I get to that, the human centered economy. It's just basically yeah. the idea of if we are supposed to be a government that prioritizes and puts the people first and do all of these things with universal basic income, Medicare for all, etc then that's great. But then how do we ensure that we actually have gauges, mm -hmm. good identifiers to make sure that we're doing that on the track? We need, we don't need measures like GDP of whether measuring whether or not our country's in a good state. Our right. GDP and stock market went up. Like stocks are up. Pandemic. We're doing great. We're actually how? doing great because the stocks are up. Ex so. Exactly. So how in the world is that a good gauge and indicator of where our country is when most of every one of us are frightened and uncertain and not knowing what's going to happen or how they're going to pay their bills and their rent? Like, that's not a good indicator of where we're at. So we actually need mm -hmm. a job performance evaluation that makes sense. And so that job performance evaluation of how our government and country is doing isn't based on stock market or GDP. It should be based on how our people is, are doing. So what yes. does that mean? What does that look like? If we're really prioritizing our people, then our people should be doing well. So what are the factors we should look out for? Like long life expectancy, health, like where marriage, like in, in all of these different ways, if we're able to put the focus on our people in terms of um, making a focus on job skills training, on employment, on mental, emotional health care, on taking care of our families because every family is a war zone now because we're not, we're, we're putting the financial strain on all of our families and we're driving our parents so emotionally and mentally burdened. Now they're not able to kind of coincide or exi coexist with their emotions. And so where does that seep to? That seeps to How do children. you parent? Yep. To the, and, and to parents as well and yeah. amongst themselves and it creates and so that's why our platform also has free I know a lot of people might think oh how are you going to do that we have money for it how in the <laughs> world did we just print three extra trillion new dollars and put right? that into currency and so it's a matter of realizing no that we matter and so for our platform we're, we're including free marriage counseling free family counseling for Love all it. because a lot of us majority of us like Believe it or not, some of us, like we, we're always operating in our parasympathetic state in this fright, fight, or freeze mode mm -hmm. when we should actually be operating from our sympathetic state, from a very deep conscious awareness and responsive state where we're able to really be healed from all of the trauma that's been going on in all of us. And so it's ensuring that our people are not just financially okay, not just physically okay, but that they're mentally, mentally and emotionally okay as well. And so these are the gauges that should be in place for a human-centered economy. Um, going now to Homes Guarantee. I'm, you are amazing. Thank you. You've got everything, all of these balls that you're juggling right now. But yes, love but going, that. Homes Guarantee is great. So Let's go, do yeah, homes, homes Guarantee, the bills that you referenced, they're the YIMBY, YIMBY bills. So basically, they're about removing exclusionary zoning policies, mm -hmm. building residential housing, multi-dwelling units in place that were not originally zoned out for that, building multi-dwelling accessory units, increasing housing in areas that, that we can see more housing and not putting these arbitrary exclusionary zoning laws and land speculation that occurs where the price of our land just keeps on going up and there's nobody using that land or the buildings on it. And so it's getting rid of that. That's a basic. So now what we need to do on top of that is called FIMBY. So we have NIMBY, not in my backyard yet, uh, YIMBY, yes, in my backyard. Uh, and then FIMBY is public housing in my backyard. Yeah. So it's a matter of, so what the Homes Guarantee is about is 
providing a set of basic tenants rights for everybody because if you think about it what's the majority of your income going towards katie sophie cody rent rent. The, rent 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 it's the number one <laughs> thing that we're paying but our government is not doing like when biden first came out with his task forces several months ago he had nothing on housing and i was like are you in touch with the people right now no like, is the answer what in the world no. like what the one of the biggest things that we pay from our monthly income is rent. We should be having a conversation around this. And why is it that out of 41 million renting households in the nation, over 20 million of them are paying more than a third of their income? Why is it that out of the 40 plus million, 12 plus million of them are paying more than half of their income? Mm -hmm. Like, why is that? So these are the things we need to talk about. So it's establishing um, guidance and laws and it's for the majority of our people, tenants not to be taken advantage of because mm -hmm. that's not right um, on moral and practical level. And number two, improving, making expenditures towards the $70 billion in federal public housing improvements that need to be made. That's institutionalized racism right there. Um, and it's also for, for Los Angeles and particularly for, for those who aren't aware, we have less than 10,000 public housing units. This is very small compared to other cities and counties where they have... 200, a couple, few hundred thousand units in public housing. And the reason why is back in the 50s, we had a group that was specifically formed to stamp out all public housing because they wanted Los Angeles to be have a nice landscape to rich people and, and to live out that Hollywood uh -huh. life and picture. And so we don't have public housing, but yet our people were, that's why our district is the 10th poorest district in the nation. And we continue to be because I mean, we continue to go downward because we're we're completely being neglected. We're neglecting our people where they need it the most, and that's housing. What has our people, what have our city elected officials done with the money that we've passed a few billion dollars towards building housing and, and towards homelessness yes. and eradicating it? They spent $700,000 a unit. I think they built a couple units, not even. And so it's it's a matter of, wow, like we could be doing so much for our people right now. And so another main component of Homes Guarantee is this idea of creating 12 million social housing units, just like in Europe, where, and the 12 million number is based on those experiencing homelessness um, in our country. And so it's building at least 12 million social housing units where people won't have to pay more than a third of their income. Well, there will be program and policies in place. Um, and so it's allowing for those, that shortage now to be addressed on a big radical change yeah. scale and so this is these are the types of change that we really need right now a second fdr yeah um type of era um i'm not i i'm sure i've mentioned this on one of our podcasts at some point um but especially like w when you were talking about the yimby act i mean so much of what you've said resonates with me um my father for has worked in nonprofits. he's retired now but he was running mm. um uh a rehabilitation facility in Northern California. And by that, because of that was, you know, on different council boards and stuff and, and for, to talk about homelessness and different things. And in Half Moon Bay, for example, mm. there was this big tract of land and people were, we had, a, they had a developer or, or somebody that had a plan for how to quickly build public housing, something, uh, something that they wanted to do. But the, but the hurdle was zoning. The hurdle was getting permission from the city and it never happened. 
because there was no incentive or there was no, like there, it was just too much red tape, too many things. And it's like, we have the land, you have the resources, you have somebody willing to do it. Um, and they couldn't pull it together. And, and, and that I'm sure there's more details that I'm missing from this story, but it's, it's so inherently frustrating and, and wrong. Um, and for years we've been watching in California and Los Angeles and San Francisco, the homeless, uh, the unhoused population explode because of all of the stuff that we've been talking about today. And I, I see this happening and, and people can just walk past it. They don't want to have homelessness, you know, a blight on the community. They don't want the, this lower income stuff. Well, now it's something that you can't ignore. It, it's, it makes it feel like, you know, 200 years ago or, you know, you just can't ignore the fact that that this is a crisis and it's at our doorsteps and we shouldn't be ignoring it. We need to be, this needs to be a huge priority for all of us. And it goes back to everything that we've been saying before. We want our economy to boom. Well, we need to have people taking care of and have access to basic resources to live their life, to to make money, to spend money. Um, and And yes, so... Yeah, yeah, no, no. You're, <laughs> Ran out you're, of steam there, but yeah. no, you're, you're you're so right, and it's this, it's this, and it's this. We we put our communities in such a paralysis state where now we have so many unhoused neighbors and and people we know where we we also want to help, and we are, and that's why we have mutual aid networks in Los Angeles and other groups that help help out like K Town for All and Street Watch and and a lot of great groups, but. There comes a certain point, too, because we are also using our own resources to give the limited resources that our government allows for. And so it's become such a serious point now where, like, people are dying, like people are literally dying. Why aren't you commandeering hotels to yes. house our unhoused neighbors right now when when they need a place to stay right now, especially during a pandemic? Why? Why is that not being the first thing being done right now um, out of any elected officials conscious heart and mind why is that not the first thing and it's because they see they only see numbers they only see money they only see popularity they only see career job stability mm -hmm. to to continue to be reelected because they don't know anything else besides the six digit salary that they're getting so they're going to do all that they can to to hold on to that job and position they're going to do all that they can to continue taking the corporate money that will give them the emotional security and financial security that everything will be okay even though the people are suffering and they don't even view the people as human beings we're all mm -hmm. viewed let alone viewing our unhoused brothers and sisters as ghosts they're viewing now they're starting to view masses of people as just ghosts and just mm -hmm. as subjects in a way as just a, another number when we're actually all human beings and not one of us is less than another, not one soul. Um, and so it's this moral revolution that really needs to happen yeah. on such a deep, deep level. And I'm sure there's an element of not seeing them as voters, <laughs> you know, seeing people yeah. that don't have a, yeah. a mailing address yeah. as somebody that they need to reach out to for support. Yeah. yeah. Um, the disenfranchisement is, is the, the disfranchisement is crazy in the sense of, uh, whether it be those uh, of our family, neighbors, brothers and sisters that are incarcerated, whether it be those that are living unhoused, whether it be those that are living as undocumented workers in our mm -hmm. Latino communities, in our Korean communities, in our Thai communities, etc. They are being taxed without representation. Mm -hmm. yes. 
that's tyranny. Um, Los Angeles was built on the labor of our brown brothers and sisters. They don't have a voice right now. They don't have a mm-hmm. say. But then what the Democratic Party and machine does in California is because we're California and diverse, instead of putting and, and instead of putting like older white people in office to 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 go ahead and do what they want, they put people that look like the people in their communities mm-hmm. to deceive them and say, hey, they're actually legislating on your behalf, but they're completely not. Yep. My my opponent says he's all for the immigrant communities, but he's the one who voted to initially authorize and fund ICE. And it's yeah. like people yeah. people don't really go in deeper yes. into who they're voting for. And they just think, oh, the person looks like our community. So we're going to vote for him. No, the Democrat. I, and I'm. I didn't mean to turn this into a democratic machine bashing no, moment, that's but one hundred percent what I was about to do. So thank you. But that's you. what that's <laughs> what they're that's what they're doing in California. They're yeah. finding little puppets to put into place to keep the people under yep. control. Like that's not right. Yeah. So no, no, no. I, I yeah, I, I'm thrilled that you you brought this up because the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was Jimmy Gomez. Uh, he's the Democratic incumbent currently mm-hmm. holding the thirty fourth district. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I wanted you to, to, to talk a little bit about him um, and of your experiences running against a Democratic incumbent. More about elucidate more about what you were just saying, essentially, yeah, um, what this has been like. And, yeah, I, I guess just to uh, tag on just sort of your perception of dealing with like the Democratic Party in general and uh, yeah. if there's a, a sense of. You can get a sense of, like everyone like there's a lot of frustration from the party when people show up to point out that they're not doing anything or enough and right. that uh, better things are possible basically is uh, a message they're they're really they're really shy about um, and uh, you can you can get that sense in a lot of these races across the country where uh, people are challenging incumbents for not doing the things that we need to do. Yeah, one of the main or one of the very good reasons for running for office and challenging an incumbent is to put off the message hey like the people are are holding you accountable and if you continue not to do what the people want or what you've promised then there's a possibility that you can be voted out of office Mm -hmm. and so that public accountability is what helps our elected officials come closer to the needle to closer to being aligned with why they were elected into office in the first place um, Jimmy might have been a great he's he's I have nothing personal against him. I've never met him. He he might have been a great perhaps an even greater leader or, or, or a leader with qualifications, and I don't even know what the qualifications are. I'm not saying that there are certain qualifications and I fit that, but he probably wasn't even ten times, a hundred times potential as as a greater leader than I was when he started. But right now where he's at, like it's completely gone. There's no fuel left for the people. Because, and how do I know that? Because he continues to vote according to party politic interests. Yes, he's a self-alleged progressive. Yes, he's in the CPC, the Progressional Caucus. But what does that mean? Does that mean that he co-sponsors and supports Representative Ilhan Omar's Mm -hmm. rent cancellation, more rent and mortgage cancellation? Nah. What what does that mean? (laughs) That means he supports, he supports a hundred billion dollar rent relief fund that benefits landlords and that requires tenants to, to jump through hoops to prove that they don't have money to pay rent. And put food on the table. He's for that. He's not for. Uh, he's for means-tested cash relief, um, and not a universal basic income that could go straight to the pockets mm-hmm. of people. 
there's a, multiple bills out there, whether yeah. it be a Senator Kamala Harris's bill or Representative um, Rashida Tlaib, um, her ABC bill, which is $2,000 recurring monthly cash relief. Um, he's not the type of person that's doing that, yet he's going around saying, I'm progressive. But what we've noticed now since March is he's actually, and if he's listening to this, I'm glad you're listening, <laughs> but he's putting, he's listening to our campaign now. Because once we started doing mm-hmm. a, live, a live stream for COVID-19 relief to our constituents, he started doing one. Once we started doing a text banking campaign, huh. um, sending sending resources to our constituents on what where to go if they're unable to pay rent, he started doing that. When we started mm-hmm. doing AMAs on Instagram, he started doing that. Um, Interesting. The other day I, I heard that um, he mm-hmm. was very mad that uh, this lefty... Uh, progressive um, writer, podcaster, Howie, um, he, that he wrote an article about us and, and about our campaign. And he was very mad that, that he was saying that we were more progressive than he was. And so, so if, if that gets him to, if that gets him to do his job, yeah, I'm glad and happy that he is. And so I was actually mm. surprised that he voted yes to defund the Pentagon by 10% last week. And I was like, Oh, good job, Jimmy. I'm so wow. proud of you. I mean, and I, so, Feel That's like you can certainly right. take some credit for that. <laughs> well, because yeah. everything you've been saying up to this point has been like, oh, he saw our campaign and he uh, is doing the aesthetic thing or like the actual the campaign thing. He's looking at, at your campaign to see what you're doing as a functioning campaign, yeah. not saying like, oh, I should also support Medicare for all. Oh, right. I should yeah. also support this. But that's actually so, like kind of wild that he did. Vote, yeah. Um, and then, right. and we're going to, yeah. and, and I'm thankful that he, he did vote that way. And I give props to Jimmy, Jimmy, thank you for voting that way. Um, but we're going to continue pushing him. I know that he was supporting the United States postal service. If that's the case, why did you take 25,000 plus dollars in money from UPS, a private mm-hmm. competitor? Oh, and wow. So, yeah. so, I, so <laughs> yeah. I, so I retweeted that yesterday. I tweeted his tweet and retweeted, why are you taking money from UPS then? So yeah. it's just, I, I get I get that you want to make change and, and make it happen and show the people that you're really legislating for them. But do that not just in these single occurrence moments. Do that as a career. Do that as right. a daily lifestyle. Do that in yeah. your heart and intention where it's always flowing in every interview that you have. Like, be that person instead of trying to act like that person. And so well, and, it's also and, like... Right, and reacting to the being challenged, right? It's that yeah. uh, that Elliot Engel uh, comment during the mm-hmm. primary. He says, I w- if there wasn't a primary, I wouldn't even care about this. Like, he literally said that, that out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're only doing well, these things, if you're challenged, then yeah. maybe. It also speaks to why a person decides to be in office. If you're just following what you're told from the establishment, then you want to be in office because you want power. You want to be in office because... You like the status or whatever it is and you're, you know, versus right. being in office because you want to help people, being in office because you want to make a difference. Um, and I mean, I think that hearing you speak for this hour and, and hearing your background, it's clear that that's what your focus is, you know, from your time working in different capacities as a lawyer, you're like, it's not about money. It's a, I mean, sure, we all have to make money, but it's a about helping people. And uh, it's just vitally important that more people like you step up and and the bare minimum we're challenging the establishment. Um, 
but we're also making significant strides in changing perception of things. And we're going to get more and more of us in office. Um, and I think that that is such a positive, hopeful, inspiring thing to be focusing on right now and focusing our efforts. There's a lot of us that are disillusioned with this primary in terms of the presidential race. Fair, fine. But there are so many people like you all over this country that are stepping up and filling this void. And it's vital that we focus our, our attention on these kinds of races so that we can make the difference that we want. It's disappointing that we don't have Bernie or Yang, you know, leading the ticket right now. But there's so much progress that's still being made. Um, and it, it's I think it's important for us right now, emotionally, spiritually, economically, <laughs> to, rem to remember that. Um, yeah. You you nailed it. You closed it very well. Katie. Okay, thanks. They pay, me the, they pay me the just fine bucks for that. Um, can you please tell our audience where they can find you online, how they can support you? I know I'm supporting you. I am 99% sure I am in your district. <laughs> and I will be voting for you. Yes. Um, but how how can everybody else support you? Yeah, thank you for asking, Katie. Uh, one of the biggest challenges for us is campaign finance. So obviously, one of our top priorities is to reform campaign finance, where it's not corporate money that's deciding who gets elected, but it's where it's truly the people. Um, so go check out our democracy dollars on davidkim2020.com mm -hmm. to learn more about that. But as as a grassroots can, a candidate in a campaign, we are 100% people powered. Uh, so while our opponent has 98.8% of his donations being from corporate interests and big donors, and with a campaign worth just of a million dollars, we don't have that much money. So if you're able to chip in, that's great. Go to davidkim2020.com forward slash donate. Um, but if you're unable to, that's totally fine. Please don't donate. Like, use your money for yourself. Like, buy food, pay, save it for rent, take care of yourself. And there's other ways you can help out, which is volunteering uh, remotely through our text banking or phone banking volunteer programs. Or it's even, or if it's even calling a friend or family member in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. uh, sharing our website link, sharing this interview, and saying, "Hey, you want to, you want more podcasts." Uh, to add to your collection here's a great one worst year ever check out this episode so do that um, there's creative ways um, to help us in that sense and so so volunteer donate spread the word and we'd right. be very grateful I definitely will be doing all of the above um, if you've got those little lawn signs I'll put them in my front yard <laughs> yes did you see me yes he grins yes. really grins. really lit up <laughs> <laughs> Uh, David, thank you so much cool. for joining this. This has been a delight. Um, we will be following this closely and, and helping in any way that we can. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me, Katie, Sophie, of course. Katie. Thank great. you. All right, bye. 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 And that does it for us today on The Worst Year Ever. Please. Now. Go check out <laughs> David's website. Support him in whatever way you can, if you can. Um, you can check us out online, too. At Worst Year Pod on Instagram, Ooh. on Twitter. Ooh. You can follow us too if you want. Ooh. And all that stuff that's it's fun true. and good. It's true. I could agree he, with you more, but I don't know what that would even mean. Does not disagree with me completely, and that's yeah. what's important. Cool. We'll be back next week. Later. Bye. Everything's so dumb. Everything's
I tried. Yes. Daniel? Lovely. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.